Welcome to Herp Talk Radio. Welcome, I'm your host, Matthew, and my co-host with, I'm with, as always, is Peggy Detmers. Yes, good evening, Matthew. Good evening. Tonight we kind of have a little bit of a special show going on. We're doing it uh, live on YouTube and Facebook. We are live right now. Um, this is going to be an open call episode, so if you want to hop on, feel free to do so. Um, I will post the link in the brand new Facebook group, which was just created. And if you uh, if you like uh, if you like the group, the uh, the link will be in there eventually once we get through our check-ins. So um, that leads me to uh, Peggy. How are the turtles doing? They're doing uh, a lot better since I have separated the the three meanies away from the smaller ones. And, you know, it, it, it just leaves questions. They were getting the same diet, but um, different growth, growth rates through these um, two clutches. Um, the, the one clutch that was rescued from the road is growing um, even with the largest ones in the um, female that had the uh, 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 yeah, shell rot. And um, it, it, within that shell rot clutch, all um incubated in, in the same incubator the same temperature i have ones that are half the size of the largest ones who were becoming cannibalistic with just nipping and biting everywhere um taking off the very tips of some tails and so I'm moving those three meanies out of there everyone seems to be quite more relaxed of the smaller ones um feeding feeding them the same as you know, uh, don't want to get them obese, which I was getting, trying to stop the cannibalism. <laughs> um, but so, you know, that that's going well. I'm anxious to send to Patrick, who was our guest um, a few weeks ago, um, the the two from my captive red turtles um, that he's going to grow out and uh, help me prove out this clown gene. So I'm anxious to get those sent out, waiting for spring weather. So they're, you know, they're shipped overnight. Um, uh, I, I usually bring them to the FedEx, you know, at about four, and then they're he usually gets them by ten thirty the next morning. Um, that's how these turtle shipments usually go. And uh, this will be the second one I'm sending him. Um, I sent the clowns, one of the clowns' brothers, to him previously, and. And he is soon to be a father. Um, the young female that he was mated to um, has laid already. You know, he, um, Patrick brought the turtles in because they had that weird, weird weather hit in Tennessee that's just totally unusual. And um, and so um, she, they're starting to develop eggs early. So she's laid, this young female's laid four eggs. Um, two have already shown to uh, chalk which is indicative of them being fertile. He thinks the other two are planting that way. So hopefully Stubbs, the one that I sent to him, because he had a nipped tail of his siblings, um, has done his job in um, becoming a father. And uh, we're excited that this clown um, gene may be expressed in, you know, in his endeavors over in Tennessee. I don't have room for it, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sending him all the babies that um, my clown's sibling that I've named Freyer. You know, um, I'm breeding him with one 
captive born female that I raised from a juvenile, knowing that he's the only male that she's been um, uh, exposed to. So, um, you know, uh, I, I might make one baby that just shows up brighter green or, you know, brighter marginals, who knows, you know, I, I, I that's all I'm making myself stay to. <laughs> kind of the pick of the litter thing. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I mean, there's already a pick in the litter I'm looking at right now. <laughs> that is just, she's, she's brilliant. I, I incubated for females at about 87 to 89, the temperature got up to um, once. Um, but then uh, she's got really bright orange-red marginals. And um, uh, she and her brother have these, the sibling males, Freyer's really wild plastron um, marking. And then yeah, they got their mother's really bright, um, unusual um, uh, orange-red marginals. Um, markings on those those rim around the upper shell, uh, the marginal scoots. Um, so I'm really happy about that. That um, the mother and father are throwing their best traits onto their siblings. So I'm I'm excited about um, this. Um, you know, being a part of proving out this clown gene. So then all the rest of my you know my. Um, turtles are doing great. Um, I'm about ready to cool them down. I was going to cool them down in March because normally we can start putting the turtles out in April. Doesn't look like we, <laughs> um, you know, it's probably not going to warm up in April till about the end of April. So I'm. Yeah, it's been pretty crappy out there. <laughs> I'm going to do their cool down beginning in April. And the, the cool down means I turn off their tank um, heaters. And the water will get down to around 60 because uh, we keep our cabin quite cool. And and then uh, the females will slow down. The males can now, you know, and this male um, can catch them more easily. They're, they're, they're lazier. He feels safer in, in approaching the bigger female. And uh, so, you know, just to get them mated again and then ready to go out and lay. And probably I'm estimating late April, early May. And... Um, and she's grown a bit since she's last laid last year. So instead of the five that she was having in each clutch, I'm hoping, you know, that number will get up there around six to seven this, this year. So what are you doing with all your snakes? Well, just a FYI for anyone who listens, uh, this podcast is typically recorded with a 10-day uh, window. Holy cow, that's loud. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So there's usually a 10-day window we record, and then I have 10 days to edit the podcast and get it out. Um, so we do have one episode in queue that will come out one of these Wednesdays here coming up. Um, so the past two weeks for me, um, I planned a trip to Missouri. I went to Missouri. Um, everyone there said it was cold. Uh, I thought it was really nice. Um, <laughs> what was the temperatures while you were there? It was, it was like... A, I think we hit 55 most of the time, and the coldest day was 37, which was the high today here. Downright so, over there. <laughs> yeah, no snow. We had rain. It was nice, though. It was like a nice warm rain instead of that cold, um, snowy rain. <laughs> what do you call South Dakota rain that's spring snow? Yeah, sleet. Yeah. It, miniature hail. <laughs> <laughs> That, that hits you in the face like needles when it's windy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
so so we went down for we went down to see family we were thinking about doing texas that didn't work out um so we went down stayed with some family um just kind of checked out the area a little bit um i've never really been to missouri or in the ozarks because that's that's really where we were was the ozark area um went to springfield joplin was right there we should have went there and checked out all the tornado damage that was that's still i guess down there um yeah toward the lake i stopped at a really cool mom and pop reptile shop um called let me double check so i don't mess it up for the guy it's like frogs and family reptiles in springfield missouri what what was the most intriguing thing you saw there at their shop? Um, he had a he had some Amazon tree boas, which I thought were fascinating. Um, that's one that I want to get into. Uh, <laughs> he had he had a couple of species of turtle. He had a ton of tadpoles for sale, frog wise. So, which I thought about doing, but yeah, gargoyle geckos. Um. Yeah, I guess in Springfield, you're not allowed to own a snake over six feet, and I not own a snake, it's own a species that gets over six feet, oh. which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So he can't, he can't sell anything that can get over six feet long. Oh, wow. So all this stuff was a little bit different than what I, what you, you know, there was no boa there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh... Uh, the tadpoles. What uh, what species of frog? I am not 100% sure. I didn't ask. There were other customers in there. I kind of wanted to chat a little bit. Mm-hmm. I did too many questions, not enough time. Mm-hmm. Had little kids, cranky kids, cranky, cranky ladies <laughs> with me. <laughs> so, yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, yeah, I lost the bet here pigs i lost the bet you got a turtle i got a turtle (laughs) oh what 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 type it is a soft shell turtle so it's a florida animal that i bought in missouri (laughs) i know that much okay so um he's really small like two inches long so he had to been hatched recently you know Uh um I hope it's a boy. I'm just crossing my fingers that it's a boy. Because <laughs> then you don't have to deal with the egg situation? Well, then I don't have to deal with a really, 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 really big turtle. Oh, okay. <laughs> now, and, then, and I can show you how you can raise them, having a really good diet, but um, raise them on such that they don't grow to be monsters. Like some people push the growth of the animals that they want to breed to get, to get them breeding fast. And if you grow them up slow, um, in, in, uh, they can, especially the males, you can basically, you know, keep them at a, a smaller size and, and make sure that you don't have to get huge tanks to them. You're still giving them the high quality diet, but instead of feeding them every day, you just feed them like on Wednesdays and Saturdays. Yeah. And and then, you know, they stay around, you know, four to five, well. For my painted turtles, around three to four inches for the males, and uh, the females, though, you want to get them, you know, even, you know, even though I'm not interested in breeding and selling, 
I wanted to get them to a safe size that they could pass eggs quite easily. And so that's around, you know, six to eight inches. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want them to get to be monster turtles. <laughs> right, right. I don't want a monster turtle either. And beings that I'm pretty sure the species can get like two and a half, three feet on the large side. I don't need that in my life. Um, yeah. I really don't. <laughs> so, well, the picture for well, the picture it's from Florida. It was bred in Florida. Oh, so, so it could be. A it's a spiny. I'm betting it's a spiny. Okay. That's and where they, my money's at. And and they and they can get that the big. F the females get over two feet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that because we have them here in South Dakota, and I've seen them in a certain creek here in South Dakota, and photographed them when I was oh back in college, and um, quite interesting. And it's really interesting to watch them dig into the sand and hide themselves. Oh, quickly. But I had only seen them, um, none surpassing the size of dinner plates. And I wasn't doing a study in any way. You know, it was just, you know, hiking along the creek. And uh, I, w I wonder if a part of that has to do with, like, the environment that they're in. Like, they're in the wild, so they're not eating every single day. Nothing yeah. in the wild is eating every day unless it's, like, a rat or a mouse or a mammal that needs to eat every minute of every day. You know, so yeah. I, I bet you a whole bunch of the uh, the turtle size does come down to diet and not not just power feeding and trying to stuff them completely full. Yeah, because well, and, and a lot of people that I talk to, you know, really renowned people, um, some of them still feel that it's the tank size that makes them grow fast. But I've seen red ear sliders get dinner plates in two years from people who keep them in the bucket to feed them every day. And then they, they just let them out for walks instead of putting them in a nice big um, stock tank or huge aquarium. And so they those red ears have kind of shattered my belief that, you know, a large, um, they, they will grow to match the large container they're kept in where those turtles seem to like, uh, they grow large because they're fed every day. <laughs> you know, so. Right. And, and so I think, um, you know, because they are here in South Dakota, the soft shells I have met, their growing season in the creek that I had seen them in is only late April through mid to late September. And like you said, um, probably, and since they are mostly carnivorous, those soft shells, um, they're probably feeding as much as, if not slightly smaller than I feed, um, uh, because I didn't see much in in uh, fish life um uh crawdads yes insects yes so you know it yeah you know it, it just depends on how much they move and they want to catch but from what i gathered the uh the soft shells did they tell you they're they're mostly ambush predators right yeah scavenging and carnivores oh okay so like they'll eat a dead fish on the side of the creek if it's available to them, you know. Yeah, and I would surmise that that happens quite a bit since it is uh, a town fishing creek, so to speak. Yeah, I would bet that, uh, <clears throat> I would bet that, like, the turtles in the wild are really only, especially around here, are only eaten six months out of the year. 
and maybe three times a week, you know. That's what I would, that's what I'd probably bet. Of course, there's going to be good weeks and bad weeks, too, but. Yeah, I know. I know. The Painted Turtles, they, I don't know how, you know, I haven't watched them again, you know, out in the wild feed, and, and nor have I tagged any particular one who watched them feed, but um, I know they do eat a lot of plant matter. And so with that, especially where I have seen them, you know, they're munching on plant, plant matter every day, you know, from the algaes and the, um, the other type of, uh, you know, anacris and uh, broadleaf type on plants. So they're, uh, and hornworts, I mean, so, um, so that's what I try to do with my turtles. I give them free choice greens, but their protein meal only uh, for the males twice, twice a week. And it works, I mean, they're, I, I keep the two males I've had the longest of any turtles, they're in a 40 gallon and, and those two are quite, you know, they, they fit a 40 gallon really well because they're only three, four inches. it's a way not to have your turtle outgrow your home (laughs) (laughs) that's well i know i'm gonna have to get a new home because the turtle is tiny and it's in a tiny enclosure because it it's a tiny turtle you know Mm -hmm. um but what what type of sand are you keeping we're still working on that we have them in as in a we're putting them in a 10 gallon we're gonna try to do like the yeah, it's real hard to look at myself and do this. Um, like a, a 10 gallon aquarium with a bin that drops down into it. So it's like there's a there's a shallow part and then the rest is all aquarium. Oh, oh yes. You know what I mean? So there's like a shelf of sand and I'm going to do sand in that part and then a little bit of rocks down on the bottom, but probably pretty barren just to be able to vacuum it. Yeah. And suck out the turtle poop. Yeah. And make it easy and quick to clean. Because <laughs> well, that's I, my issue with turtles, Peggy, is they're not easy and quick to clean. Well, you know, <laughs> I have to confess, um, um, I have removed all the bottom substrate out of my turtle tanks. So it's just glass substrate with, like, six pretty rocks. So it almost looks like, um, I, um, it actually looks like Spearfish Canyon Creek where um, you get this really glassy, sandy bottom with a scattered stone here and there. And and that sandy bottom is so full of mica, it looks like glass. And I'm like, well, I can do that in my aquariums where, you know, just have it glass. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, you know, like five or six ornamental stones with the, the plastic plant, you know, here and there. And the turtles like moving those plastic plants, you know, even though they've got their weighted on the bottom. Um, they, they move them around, you know, from one, you know, ornamental stone to the other where then the plastic plant hangs up on it. But it looks a lot like Spearfish Creek, um, you know, because of all, you know, the shiny mica, you know, sand there. And so, and boy, is it easy to vacuum out those tanks. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. When you have nothing to worry about. (laughs) Right. And. And then the, the, the filters that I use, they're um, Google U4 uh, underground, um, uh, in-tank underwater filters, because uh, I found I couldn't have the on back filters because the um, when our power outage goes out a lot from the trees falling on the wind every part of the year, 
all of a sudden, the, the, and I'm not home, then all of a sudden that motor would run dry because the, um, the water would be pumped out and then, and, and then not, they couldn't, the, those on the backs couldn't find themselves. So in switching to these Google V4s and then putting them about an inch off the bottom, they, and then putting large sponge as their first part of the sponge filter, um, encased in there, they suck up, the, they draw the turtle poop across that glass so easy, suck it into the filter. And so you hardly see any turtle poop ever. Um, and so in my 40 gallon, I have one U4, which um, covers, uh, it's supposed to be for a 64 gallon tank. So it's actually, um, you know, uh, doing um, about uh, two thirds of a 40 gallon. And then uh, in my 75 gallon, I have two U4s. And boy, they clean, they keep the bottom tank of the tank really clean. And so all I really have to do is, you know, draw down water, replace water about every two weeks, um, you know, just about um, you know, five gallons, and then, you know, put in the fresh water. And then about every six weeks, I clean the filters. If I feel that they're not putting out a, a strong output, um, you know, just to unclog the sponges within that filter. Um, and it, boy, I, I'm so glad that Spearfish Canyon Creek, <laughs> Spearfish Creek, um, inspired me <laughs> to do it. Uh, it's, it's like, wow, this is wonderful, rather than having to vacuum out, you know, that gravel, um, which would catch so much turtle poop and just rot in there. And, and uh, I mean, yeah, the, the, there was back bacteria will gather in gravel for fish really well but boy for turtles yeah <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm really happy with that oh i my 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 turtles are doing the mating dance right now i'm looking at them and i haven't even cooled them down yet and they're already fancy for spring <laughs> no so yeah, well, I'm anxious to see your little boy. Um, uh, but you know, I, I keep saying yeah, I'll uh, have to I'll have to throw some photos up here soon. Mm-hmm. Well, I am gonna go ahead and throw the link up in the new Facebook page, and I'm gonna try to get it on Instagram. Okay. Um, if there is anybody watching right now, it's a family friendly show. Please keep it family friendly. We'd like to keep it that way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we want all these kids to enjoy learning about reptiles and amphibians. Right, right. <laughs> all right, the link is up on Facebook, and it's going up on Instagram eventually. <laughs> I gotta find a picture. Maybe I'll just do it this way. Well, um, so we've talked about some turtle husbandry. What is, do you know what a snake rack is, Peggy? Yes. Um, okay. Yes, I've, I've seen those, um, and uh, they're very intriguing. They seem highly functional and, and easy to maintain. Okay, so the concept then is a, a stack of tubs inside of a sliding drawer system, essentially, right? Would, yeah. would you agree that that's what a rack is? Yeah, 
Yeah, very similar to an art supply rack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, or any storage bin or, you know, those three-drawer Sterilite tubs you can get at the Walmart. Right. Um, okay, so if you, if you have a tub or two tubs, would that be considered a rack then? Because you're still providing the exact same kind of enclosure per animal. You just don't have as many animals. So is, is it still a rack set up if you, you don't have the rack, question mark? And uh, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, uh, in, in the art field, in our art studio rooms, if we have, you know, just a, a rack of two, you know, one has you know, my drawing supplies, the other one has my paintbrushes. So I consider that, you know, a small rack. I mean, even though it's only a stack of two. So I would assume you guys in the snake world could, you know, label that the same. Yeah, I would, I would, I don't know. I got into a little bit of trouble on Instagram (laughs) because some lady posted that her setup of four tubs stacked nicely was not a rack. Or tubs are not racks. A rack, so, so I really don't understand this because then what's the, what's the difference here between, like, is it just the number of snakes then that's the problem? Because it's not the tub, and the tub is mostly what the rack is. It's the si- it's too small of an enclosure, right? Like, oh, that's oh. what, that's okay, what I, people think. Okay, now I, I'm seeing this clearer. Now, um, I got the rack drawer tub because they're easier to access my supplies uh, instead of having that tub just without the rack um, you know so usually when you buy those art supply racks they come with a black actual plastic frame rack and then tubs you can slide into it so were you talking about just stacking the tubs on top of one another without the black that frame or what <laughs> okay. Well, I have tubs stacked on one another in the uh, in my closet. Okay. But is that any difference? Oh, any different than something like this? Hang on. Show us a picture of. Yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, well, to me, you know, it's just a matter of. How is my three? How, how are my three stacks, my three totes stacked in a corner? Any, if they're the exact same tote as there. Okay. How is it any different? To me, it's not. The husbandry is the same. They're they're within the same substrate with the same shelter. And so you're basically saying stack tub or stack tubs in a rack. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, you're either building a bilk shelf for them that keeps them nice or you're just stacking them all by themselves. But it's it's the exact same for the snake or or the whatever you're keeping in there. If you're keeping a lizard in a rack, you're probably not doing it right. But, you know... Yeah, I just know that certain um, uh, they they need their vitamin D 
uh, at least a certain part of the year so they can store that in their liver. So they need the UV, unless you're feeding a special vitamin D supplement. But, you know, the, the one thing that, you know, we've talked about a lot on the turtle list is it wasn't just UVB we found that the turtles need. They need UVA, which creates um, a nitrous compound that opens up the blood vessels. You know, like you give heart patients the nitrous, you know, compound to open up their heart vessels and um, and uh, that, that uh, sunlight, the UVA actually does that too. And so I'm, I'm a big proponent on, we don't know, you know, science can study what they know to study. Have they, and, and then we find out with science, like we haven't quite studied the exact um, complete chemical makeup of vitamin A. Or, you know, we found out that vitamin A just isn't beta carotene. It's got these vitamin precursors or little fingers of, of other chemicals attached to it, which makes it a whole vitamin, which makes it more bioavailable. And so the, I'm, I'm arguing the same thing about UVA and UVB with people. We don't know all what the UVA and UVB naturally absorb through the skin what compounds they all create rather than just giving them a synthesized vitamin. And, and that's why I tell people try to mimic nature as much as possible. And so I don't, when I see snakes stack like this and, and, and I'm like, when do they get their, you know, their UVA, UVB basking um, in tubs or how do you do that? I, I'm, I'm completely ignorant. I admit it on most snake keepers don't keep with UVB and after okay so it is I, I listened to a live I think with Mike from Mike's monitors and he doesn't keep with UV but they they've kept monitors and have bred monitors for 20 30 40 years this way because they're supplying the vitamin D3 and calcium in a totally different way than the sunlight. So he was saying that if he were to buy into UV and buy upgrade everything into UV, that he would probably run into a whole bunch of issues because he's packing all his animals so full of vitamins that once they get the UV, then they, they would probably process that really badly and end up with way too much in their system way too quickly. So... Yeah, there are ways of doing that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. He's done it that long, then he must still be getting good eggshell thickness. Yeah, and it's working for him. So, yeah. but but that's that. The whole UV thing is so debatable, but it's it's not at the same time because like reptiles are made to be in the sun. You know, like. Like, their skin's completely different than ours. They're not going to get skin cancer by sitting out in the sun for two hours a day. Like we might, because our skin's soft and yeah. squishy, you know. <laughs> well, and, uh, you know, I noticed that when I switch from UVB and a heat lamp in, in the other socket um, to a UVB and UVA lamp, my turtles started shedding normally. They, they grew their keratin layers quicker and they shed their, their keratin layers, their, their scoots, 
um, more uh, normally. Um, before I did that, there's food for building up. I still have the clown that just doesn't react, you know, biochemically as well as the other turtles do, even compared to uh, her own brother. Um, I'm having to do extra hours of UVA to get her now starting to lift those scoots. And so I'm really anxious to get her out into full sunlight because I don't think this unnatural UVA, UVB bulb, it's one bulb of one, is given the amount of UVA and UVB of the natural sunlight. Have you looked into like VivTech? VivTech. VivTech products, yes. Um, They have a bulb that's UVA, UVB, and all in one LED. Um, They have multiple different ones for different strengths, if you will. I'm going to put that in my notes right now. VivTech. I I like this bulb. This one is. Zoomed Power Sun, which provides the heat, the UVA, and the UVB. It was recommended to me by Mike Kanovich, and and I have loved it for what I've seen it do. Um, for this clown, though, I'm like, she needs to get out into the sun, but, so, let me see here. Um, Turtle Care into my nose. And that is spelled V-I-V-E-E-K, or C-K. Um. Oh, I can Google it. It'll come up. Uh, yeah. Google. Okay, I'll switch that. VivTech products. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Um, I've heard really good things. Uh, Bill Bradley actually said that he—that's all he uses. Um. So in all his big monitor enclosures and that sort of thing, he uses those and then a heat panel because um, those provide the UV and the LED and heat don't go don't go together at all. Yeah, and this um, power sun does. It's heat and both UVA and UVB, and it has it. It helped my southern painted. I'm I'm sure because she, you know, ev- uh, her line evolved in the south and she was not shedding properly until I got this bulb and boy, she shed off three years of, um, scoots, um, along with that, um, new, um, pellet that I have that has a lot of keratin protein in it. Um, and, uh, boy, she, she grew new scoots underneath and shed off three years of retained scoots and is, has now a beautiful glossy shell along with her, bright orange striping because she's a high color southern and so i'm yeah i I love networking with reptile people that's why you know i'm excited for people to join in and um you know as we have been with our guests and hopefully someone will join us live here yeah that would be super cool we have zero watchers which is great it doesn't even matter. We would have recorded the podcast anyway with zero listeners. So I'm so, fine with that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. So the power sun, the power sun then is only UVB. It doesn't have UVA in it. Yeah, it does. It, it says on the Google search that it's just UVB. Um, it's a mercury vapor bulb, which can't yeah. provide UVA. 
it does. It, uh, if you go to um, ZooMed and look that up, it says both UVA and UVB. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see it there. Yeah. Yeah, they they have... How long is it supposed to last, though? I only... Six them... months? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that uh, I, I um, buy the UV meter so I can tell when it's no longer doing its thing. And then I... So I, I'm on, um, uh, what do you call that, uh, auto ship every six okay. months. Yeah, and sometimes if I realize that, um, I, I Google it right before the auto ship is about to ship, and in case anybody else has them on sale, um, better than the auto ship price, and then I'll, I'll push out the auto ship and buy it from the person who has them on sale. And I'm talking $20 off each call. They're normally... You know, up there in the you know, fifty-nine or sixty-four dollars, but I can get them thirty-five to thirty-nine by just googling them, and then and then hitting shopping, and then they do all the price comparisons. And, you know, like here are ten stores that are offering this bulb, and yeah, you go with the cheapest one, <laughs> and and so you know, I'm I'm paying thirty-some dollars for each bulb rather than. 62 or 64 which is this I think if I remember here and right Vivtex bulbs do UV for f like 5 years whoa they're wow. like 80 bucks they don't do heat though they're LED they don't yeah. do heat so you have to find a different heat source well, that's, that's really but, yeah. but they yeah yeah but they've like compared because that's their biggest competitor is the power sun and the Power Sun, if I remember correctly, on Bill Burr's or Bill Bradley's episode, wow, um, where he talked with Erica of VivTech, I think, I think it's five years, and I don't know where I was going with that. That's fine. Well, <laughs> I will look into them because, um, and now are they the like the long? Um, nope. Nope. They're just a screw-in light bulb that goes in your heat bulb thing. What's the wattage? I get. Well, I guess they, they have they have three different bulbs for three different completely different environments. So it's all based on what you need to do, and they're the owners or the people who work, if that makes sense. So if you email them with, "Hey, I've got Turtle. This is my current setup. What would you recommend if I came into your product line?" The the owners will actually be responding and. That's tell you the people who developed the product will be there to tell you about it not just not just some guy from ZooMed who gets paid to go around and talk about the product if you know what I mean yeah well I, I love sponsoring small business as much as I can compared to uh, you know the um, uh, you know, big corporate owners because <laughs> you just get <laughs> better service and more personal time to answer but I usually find I've got my uh, new puppy whining over there and I'm, uh, we'll see probably just because the cat is feeding him <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway yeah so well so well the one thing I was thinking is um, Joe and I were talking snakes <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I told him I said well if I find that red line snake again I'm going to Counts on it, and uh, you know, see, uh, you know, because it's not supposed to be there. 
supposed to be. Yeah, I'll keep it alive. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be down in Colorado. That's the second, you know, then that other king snake that we found that wasn't supposed to be here either. But that was out in um, Wind Cave National Park. You know, that was the dead one that we photographed and put the uh, exact location on that pathology map. But uh, uh, this this one, the red line snake, you know, it, it, wow. I mean, I, I, I've never seen one before. And just gorgeous and so i had to run in the house while it was still in my head and look it up and i said oh not supposed to be here no wonder i haven't seen one of those before <laughs> but yeah i thought well <laughs> you see it if it's still out there in our rewilded yard um i'm gonna catch it and uh from there you know we'll see you know do we want to keep it or do we want to give it to you <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have to get a snake now that I have a turtle, so... Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's the way this is going to work. I lost the bet. It's fine. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll move on from it. <laughs> the only, I, I told Bill, the only place that we have to put a snake is if we take down one of you know the oil paintings that we have, because I, I collect original artwork from other artists. Yeah. And I'd have to take down one of those paintings... And, and screw a habitat into our log walls <laughs> uh, above one of my turtle tanks. <laughs> and that's the only place we could fit another animal in this house. You know, we're not going to heat up another building and increase our... Well, at least, at least if it's like a, a more northern species and it's surviving here, it probably doesn't need too much heat in the summertime or the wintertime. You can probably get away with just a... Yeah... Not much. <laughs> Not much, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I, the, the thing about this snake, you know, it is so gorgeous. I want to see it, and I, so I want it in one of those glass, you know, you know, the the front glass sliding doors thingies, and, and with all this beautiful habitat. Yeah, I have a snake like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you, you enjoy looking at it, and, and right, and and. And yeah, and then it, it's fun when they, um, you know, because I mean, I've, I've caught little snakes and then I put them in a little tank and then I watch them and, and then they get to the point where they're watching you. And then the one snake, uh, garter snake that I've had, he knock on the window like, all right, hello, you know, I'm hungry over here. Drop me a little mouse. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. So, um, and he's the one that ended up in my mom's bathtub and I had to let him go. And no more snakes. Oh. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, here, here in another, well, I don't know, you know, I shouldn't even say things like this, but <laughs> after talking with Alan, <laughs> after talking with like Alan and Alan going Mom. to that pets, yeah, Alan, our only Alan that we've had on that would, yeah, I'll yeah. Just let our, other, our guests know who we were talking about. Yeah, yes, anyone who's listening. It's Alan Bosch. After after chatting with him twice now, and then going to that pet store in Missouri, a part of me is like, dude, maybe you should just buy some wholesale animals and start start getting the name going. You know what I mean? Build up your collect, build up your colony, okay. and uh, your breeding stock and and then go from there so like be selling something all the time even if i didn't make it yeah. 
But I don't know where that line is of, well, now you're just a flipper, you know? Because that's not... Like, even if I did that, I'd probably keep the animals for a month. Like, at least a snake. At least a month. You know, before I turn around and sell it. Just to make sure everything's okay. You know, run run it through some mite treatment. Make, you know, like treat it well make sure it's okay to go out the door and someone's gonna have success with it and send it out the way out the door you know yeah i i you know i i'm just so how do you say it? i i i can't release an animal very easy i mean i'm just i'm i'm i, I get attached even though like how can you get attached to a turtle <laughs> but you know when, they, when i walk into the room and they're they're hello 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 and begging for me and, and joel walks in it's like oh we yeah you know you don't give us any food. I mean, so I'm, it's not like they're attached to me. They're just conditioned. You're the food monkey. Now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what you are, the food monkey. But yet, if I wanted to get, de- you know, um, decrease my, my turtle numbers, it would be hard for me to trust that I would find an owner who wouldn't accidentally kill it. You know, or or neglect it, or you know, I, I have those worries. And I said, so I could never be a pet breeder <laughs> and an animal seller because I, you know, I, I I just I've seen so many animals be so neglected that um, I am just so resistant to you know breed itself. And and I guess here in South Dakota, what concerns me, is, and we will be having. Um, you know, one of our guests, uh, she's a, a reptile amphibian researcher. We need to talk about that a little bit, because I have reached out, and I have not gotten anything back at all. Not even like a, hey, yeah, I got your email. Oh, well, no. And it's been like two weeks now, so um, it might have hit, hit her spam. I, I thought about calling her. I'm pretty sure her phone number is a cell phone that you gave me. Uh, okay. Um so I have thought about just calling and being like, yo, I sent you an email. <laughs> um, I'll call her again. And, you know, and, you know, they're trying to um, uh, clarify is the word that they've been using our turtle laws um, more clearly defined. Um, and, you know, because, you know, it says you can't buy and sell turtles in South Dakota, but yet they have licensed pet so and pets aren't to do exactly that. And so even though, and like I said, well, you've licensed the sellers, have you licensed the buyers? Because the fisheries guys... And no are, one's technically allowed to breed turtles for commercial purposes. Yeah. So if you're breeding turtles to sell to the pet market, you're technically in violation of the law. Right. And um, so, but there's and no species that are limited except for in the catching yeah catching side right and and they they and some of the ones said well you can catch and eat but you can't catch and keep as pets because you're not supposed to keep wildlife as pets and so i'm like wow we you know we really need to define this more because you know the turtle that they're selling at petco or PetSmart is wildlife in other states you know so yeah. and so this is what they want to do you know one thing we have good in south dakota is they they really don't want to step on business uh, business toast, but they also want business to be, you know, following the laws, paying, paying for their business license, paying the state sales tax, you know, whether we ship out of state or not, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you know, so that is, 
why I, I'm anxious for the, the laws to become um, clarified. Because uh, I, I, I know they go for small business. And there's, there's a lot of people who, you know, especially, um, you know, when I was having migraine after migraine and couldn't keep a job, you know, I had three bosses tell me we can't rely on you because also for three days, you know, you can't be here and it's what happens. And, it's like what you know. Luckily, I was an artist, being able to make money, you know, right. doing artwork, and so I, you know, I became a stay-at-home business. And and see, now that I know those turtle laws are in place, like I, I wouldn't mind picking up ten turtles from a some breeder and trying to sell them in the state. But I know that what the fish handbook says, and I, I think. It, it is very explicit in saying selling any turtle in South Dakota is illegal. Right. So it, it doesn't matter if it's captive bred or wild caught or, or whatever. It's, it's illegal to buy or sell a turtle in South Dakota. I have yet to buy a turtle in South Dakota. I bought a turtle in Missouri, and it was a Florida turtle. So <laughs> guess what? <Yeah>. Can't <laughs> touch me. <laughs> I never bought a turtle in South Dakota, even from a pet store that is licensed to sell a turtle. Right. So, um, you know, um, I I bought, uh, well, number one, I only wanted painted turtles because I just love them. I grew up with them. Um, when I was a kid, I caught painted turtles and pets, you know, but I didn't want, you know, when I wanted to get back into them, you know, being a stay-at-home artist, um, I didn't want wild turtles because I didn't want the, the worms and the parasites that came with them. And so I wanted a good captive bred turtle. And with that... You know, I found the turtle source in Florida. Um, and so I wasn't buying, you know, a... a yeah, a you wild. technically didn't buy it in South Dakota. You technically bought it in Florida and they shipped it to you. Yeah. So, I, and, but, you know, I want, you know, because I worked for Game Fish and Parks, I certainly don't want to break our... Yeah, you don't want to ruin a relationship, especially when you have, you have your your permit and all of that stuff, you know? Right. Yeah, because I buy a fishing license every year and I and then um, now that I'm resting turtles and I, I'm going to be in possession of more than the four that you are allotted of each species. You know, they, they granted me the scientific collection permit. I'm not, I didn't want to become a licensed rescue and have all these people shipping me animals I don't have room for because they found them misinjured or that. You know, I'll, I'll just, you know, some of my friends contact me, hey, you know, we found this squash turtle on the road. There's these viable eggs, you want to hatch them. And so then, or there's a slightly injured turtle that I can take to the vet and rehabilitate it and then, you know, release it. But every anytime I release it, I, I didn't want to be releasing these turtles because, you know, I wanted to make sure the Game Fish and Parks is going to be happy that it's been under the care of a licensed veterinarian who's checking it for disease that it goes back to where it should go and so I contacted them and said hey you know this is what's going on what do I do and so they analyzed I go you know I don't want to turn this into a business I, I don't want to turn it into a 501c3 it's just a, a um, one year I won't have any rescues one year like this last year two egg rescues and um, a shell rot rescue um, a one turtle that had to be euthanized because his major organs had been crushed by getting hit by a car. Um, another box turtle rescue. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what's going on? And all of a sudden I felt overcome. <laughs> so, um, that can happen. <clears throat> and so, that can you know, happen. But I'm going to, you know, once, 
you know, the season is such, you know, I, I want to acclimate these baby turtles to the outside and outdoor tub before they're released out into the wild to make sure they're eating right. You know, they're, they're, they're used, they're acclimated to night time temperatures and such. Um, so that will help me uh, relieve me of one aquarium people. Um, Patrick's getting the smaller, um, to, you know, uh, aquarium with of the two turtles behind half the bread. I was so close to him. I was so close to him. He was so mad. It was real funny because I texted him. I was like, yo, I'm kind of in your part of the country, right? And I texted him on Facebook or Instagram, whatever. I messaged him. I'm like, I'm in your part of the country. I'm like, where exactly do you live? Let me figure it out. Let me see if we can do this. Uh-huh. And and I, we were like 400 miles away, eight hours. I'm like, yeah, probably not this trip. Um and then I'm like, I would love to get into turtles, but I just, I really don't want to do aquatics. Yeah. I'm really not into the aquatic side of this. And then two days later, I buy a turtle and I send him a picture. And his exact words were, dude, you could have came here and got one for free. And then, and then you only made it two days. <laughs> you only made it two days. Yes, you are 100% right. I made it two days. That's it. and i wouldn't have bought one if they didn't have the soft shells i've always really liked the soft shell turtles i think they look cool with their super long necks i don't know i think it might be similar to like why people like snapping turtles because they have really long necks you know (laughs) and they're they're maybe not always aggressive but they'll bite anything and eat anything they can fit in their mouth but I don't know. I found every time I see a pond of turtles and I see the soft shells, those are the ones that I've always liked. So, not the hard shell ones. So, well, I find them intriguing. They're fun. They're fun to watch. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna watch this guy. I'm not, I'm not familiar with him. And I, yeah. I sat on, down on the creek, and this is a beautiful, beautiful, clear creek here in the Black Hills. So you can just see them like you're looking in an aquarium. And so they're they're fun to watch. And, uh, you know, but, you know, I, I've heard they're even more nasty than uh, uh, snapping turtles. And so I guess I'll, we'll, I bet the wild ones are, but this one I'm pulling out every day and it's still scared of me, you know, because it's food. Yeah, it's yeah. not a predator yet. Yeah. But I feel like as long as it doesn't think I'm going to eat it and I can make it know I'm not going to eat it or not going to hurt it. Maybe it'll be somewhat handleable. Mm-hmm. I, they're not really supposed to be handled. They're soft shell. You know, like any aquatic turtle really isn't made to be on land. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Yeah. Well, just uh, I, I heard that they can really, with their long net, whip it around and get your, even though you've got them by the, you know, your, their specific, specific way you're supposed to hold them from the back of their, you know, from the back of their buttocks, but. They can really come around and nab you with that. Yeah, they got a super long neck. Yeah, and uh, I was like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun to watch, and, uh, and 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 I like the YouTube videos where you get to watch them being fed. They're intriguing. I can see I can see people being intrigued by them and you know, having fun. Unfortunately, the way the way it worked is I've never really owned a turtle before, and then you go and Google soft shell turtle care, 
and everything under it is like this is not a species for beginners <laughs> this this is a species that requires a little bit extra you know this is this is a more advanced species because of the soft shell they're not as durable like if that's really why it's more difficult is because it doesn't have a hard shell that can get bitten by an alligator and be fine then then we'll be okay well like, <laughs> yeah could they because they spend so much time in water they don't get out and bask much although i've seen them basking in a while yeah no the picture i used for this yeah. this here video was of one right. which which is and that's that you can't tell me that thing wasn't big that thing was huge that thing was almost two foot no, no, that one was only about um, dinner plate size. Really? Yeah, that was a small juvenile painted turtle. Um, okay, that other turtle then had to be super yeah. tiny. Yeah, the, <laughs> the other turtle was only about two and a half, two and a half three inches. Okay. Uh, a juvenile painted turtle. Um, and so, um, yeah, so we, we took that picture at the um, uh, uh, Game Fishing Parks Rapid City Outdoor Campus. And um, it, it's in, in that uh, they've got three ponds in 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 that. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, in in their major pond connected with their visitor center, um, I saw a yellow-bellied turtle, which is an invasive species, <laughs> in the game fishing <laughs> parks. <laughs> you know, yeah, so, you've yeah. said that. Yeah, I I, I I keep forgetting. I've got to send them a picture of that, and then the other pictures I've seen of invasive species here. Um, you know, the, the red ears that I've seen. So yeah, that's that's one thing. Uh, I've already got a number of ladies that are interested in going out there and doing some plain air oil painting with me as we set up turtle traps. Yeah, Jared, one of the guys that's in the, uh, well, he's now in the uh, Herp Talk Radio Facebook group. Um, he, he, was one of the people who well he likes everything and i thought he'd be here tonight <laughs> yeah, Jerry, get on board. Come on. yeah get on board hop on the stream let's go yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, uh yeah well he hears us picking on each other so you know <laughs> no one wants to join it's fine <laughs> but uh yeah i let's I, talk I, the turtles the one question is um and i i would have to get a book on Foshdale to find out to me, because they don't, what I was getting at, because they don't bask maybe as many hours per day, they could be subject to um, infections, um, especially fungus. Um, and is there something you have to put in the water? I mean, that's that's what immediately is going through my head. Like, you know, what could be the issue? You know, I yeah, I need to do some more research. Unfortunately, I did what every terrible hurt person does and saw the pet they've always wanted that they haven't ever researched how to keep because uh, <laughs> they were never going to get it because they weren't into aquatics um two days two days <laughs> well this will be a learning uh thing from for both of us because i'm gonna yeah, I, i'm curious i even though i'm never gonna want to keep on my i want to learn about you know, just because you know curiosity yeah you know i i that's a uh, every tank that i've seen on youtube they don't have a basking this is a, let me you gonna oh you're gonna show him 
Is it, is it a three-yard crash? Oh, no. Overloading the Wi-Fi. Let's go, Matthew. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're kind of getting uh, studded there. Oh, man. I shouldn't have touched it. I touched it. Okay. Yeah, I'll I'll quit. I'll quit. I'll quit what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> that didn't work well, did it? Yeah, well, yeah, you probably Sorry to anyone. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> well, yeah, no, I tried to share the screen. With, the, with Let's your see turtle? if I can do it again. <laughs> with the big turtle, like how big they get. Oh, oh. Okay. Yeah, I was trying to, uh, we'll try one more time. I feel like someone was looking and then we cut out and, and now they're gone because they were like, oh, man, they cut out. Oh. Well, Turtles from anyway. South Dakota, they have a booklet of Turtles of South Dakota and they have this finding in there and I, I have to admit, I just didn't read that part. And maybe they do talk about how big they have been noticed to get here in South Dakota. Um. Oh, my. That's in Montana. <laughs> Montana? That's oh in Montana. God. So, oh. how old no. is that turtle, though? How old is it? I I'm sure in captivity it. with the right conditions, if you fed that thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe in 20 years you'd have a turtle that big. Wow. But, like, I don't... Yeah. And the I see these pictures. Pictures like this, you know? I'm like, how how can I fit that? I'm not right. gonna be able to. If yeah. I get if it gets that big, yeah. I, I won't be able to do anything. Yeah, look how small he is behind that turtle. So it might be, you know, that it's a matter of perspective that the turtle looks much bigger than he, you know, in comparison to him. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, see, I have no interest uh, in how it's I don't animal. know. Animal Everybody's animal. super small compared to these turtles. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll have to say, you know, I, I brought up one of my best friends I grew up with. She wanted to have a baby snapper, and, you know, and there's areas that we rode to and our bikes along the creeks we'd walk, and sure enough, there was a, a brand new, newly, newly hatched um, common snapper. And so she, we, you know, she took it home and um, put it in a ten gallon and fed it sparingly. And at six years, uh, what did she say? She had him five or six years. He was only about four inches big. Um, and so I mean, she, there was just, and he was healthy and and bright eyed and and didn't snap at her because you know she. She taught him like, you know, yeah, go ahead and bite my finger. You're not going to get anything, you know, when he was tiny, tiny. And so he learned that, you know, he only <clears throat> only gets fed um, by the tongs. And, you know, he, I go, wow, well, he, you know, he is a, a pretty decent pet, you know. Um, but now she's talking about wanting uh, box turtles. And so I, I pointed her to who I know sells healthy box turtles. And, uh, all right, you know, I, I, I have a couple I could give her. <laughs> <laughs> No, but no, these are these are these two that I have belong to the Game Fishing Parks Possible uh, Insurance County. Although with the young girl, she doesn't move around much more. She, uh, you know, she's just uh, 
it doesn't have much of a quality of life if, if it doesn't improve you know this growing season you know my vet and i decided that uh, you know, the quality of life is you know, she moves five inches in one day i have to put her in and out of water i have to get feeder i have to so, yeah, I have to think about doing that. But we'll see if it's natural sun and being outdoors. You know, because she did move more when she was outdoors. And maybe she's just depressed. So there is that part of trying to rehabilitate the injury that I have to think about. But, you know, um, yeah, we'll see. But I was talking to Gangster Park, but I, I don't want to... Um, have them hyperinflammate in the soil because of our ant problem that will eat them as they are buried and have these really aggressive ants. And so I'll be refrigerating them, cremating them, rather than until uh, weather's nice if we do have insurance. Insurance policy. So all kinds of things, you know, these turtles are. And, and uh, with this uh, new dog that I have that looks like a chocolate coyote, this Australian Kelpie, it, it makes certain poses that looks just like a wolf. And it's like, oh, man, I've got to draw him, you know, put him in that position and only make him look more like a wolf. And uh, my, my cat goes, well, now he's a write-off for you. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <Good. laughs> oh, my gosh. Whenever we were walking this weekend and people saw him, and uh, we were walking to where, you know, looking over where we're going to put the turtles and where we're going to, you know, uh, we, we talked about habitat improvement. Um, I was talking with the, the game fish parks biologist. So we were walking that area. People come up like, what kind of dog is that? <laughs> and I go, oh, we call him our chocolate coyote. <laughs> but it's like, they go, uh-huh. I mean, they believe us because he looks so much like that. And like, no, he's an Australian Kelpie. And, um, we find out they have um, a dingo in them, and that's probably where that wild look comes from. Uh, my dog looks like a dingo, too. Yeah, yeah, he's an Aus... What is he now? An Australian Shepherd or Healer? I don't know. We don't know what he is at all. Well, the, well, the Australians would call that a coolie. Um, K-O-O-L-I-E. Um, a cross of those cattle herding breeds just to breed the best performing dogs. Out of the border collie, the Australian shepherd, the Australian healer, and the kelpie, they call those coolies. It's like um, his parents proved themselves in being some of the best stock dogs out there, and we wanted to breed that mentality into their pups. And, and uh, so maybe you have a coolie. <laughs> maybe I have no clue. <laughs> I have no cluey. <laughs> Well, he acts like it from the, the last episode. He was jumping on your bed. I'm like, oh my God, he acts just like our Kelpie. So, <laughs> so yeah. He's, he is a crazy, crazy dog. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we can, uh, we're going to teach this guy. He's such a, uh, a, a scent dog. I mean, boy, he sticks his air, his nose in the air, and then we see the elk or, or the, the mule deer far off. And so we're going to teach him to search and find and seek things not maybe having a search and rescue dog it's, I've never seen a dog that is you know also he's going along on, and then so then we follow his his nose and then wow there's elk up on that ridge <laughs> you know, and, and so it's like okay we're gonna use this 
but yeah, it's fun. And so now we're talking dog instead of reptile. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, typically this devolves into, you know, I I've talked about breeding cows. I've compared, <laughs> I've compared reptile breeding to breeding cows. You use horses a lot. Yeah, that's actually true. there was like a there was like a six episode stint <laughs> where you and 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 then like like I noticed it and then every week after that the fall the guest would bring it up they'd bring up horses so <laughs> and then and then you guys would talk about horses so <laughs> well there's so much more known you were talking about genetics in turtles and there's so much known more known about you know breeding loci of color patterns that horses so yeah it kind of devolved that but, yeah but with this dog there's one thing in talking with the reptile biologist that's just moved here to the black hills um she says that we're going to be using this famous dog team to locate um the uh, uh fox turtles the ornate fox turtles here and, you know, I've, I've seen these dogs used over in Africa. I mean, it's the same guy with his same, you know, dogs that he trained. And then we're going to call him out here to find the census, the, um, the box trails here in South Dakota. Like, like, okay, put me on the list. I will, I will carry your water, your lunch, your <laughs> whatever, you know, take down the notes. You know, I'll, you know, I'm on the volunteer list to watch this dog and then i thought well gee i can teach our dog to do that so i've been teaching him to find you know the, the blind boxer i have just loves to explore the house and uh i think he can see light and dark because he doesn't get himself you know bumping into things too often but um uh he you know so i i, I put him you know on the floor at first the kelpie you know owen thought it was the giant most giant spider he's ever seen and it was so freaked out i <laughs> he came running and probably jumped on me like keep it away I'm like okay i gotta show him that <laughs> so then once he got he realized that the turtle wasn't going to hurt him and uh and then he was really interested in watching him crawl and everything so then i i i, I put him out in a different room and then i I was like, okay, find a turtle. And he's like, you know, it's like, did I even teach him what the turtle was? Well, I was going, turtle, turtle. And so he came in there and went under the and zoom, he just found him underneath where I keep my shoes. And he's like, I go, okay, <laughs> we're going to have a, a turtle dog here. In case one of my turtles gets out, he can help me find a turtle. <laughs> so, yeah, a turtle dog would be a good idea. A turtle you could murder. go out in the you could go out in the wild and find turtles that way. Yeah, that would be very handy. You know, I, I, I I'm, I'm laughing and talking about it. You know, both of them. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be my turtle herder. <laughs> you want to come up here and show him what a chocolate coyote looks like? Oh, oh, now he's more interested in his his puppy mate. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> what are some good topics to talk about? We could recap some of our shows. We have been doing this now. We, we are technically a quarter of the way. Oh, really? Through the year. 
and through okay. these podcasts. Wow. So this is our this is this would be the quarter episode somewhere between this one and the next one um 12 and a half so this yeah so let me let me pull up all our episodes so i can recount them in order correctly yeah yeah let me let me get that pulled up I don't know if I want to continue doing the the recap in the episodes and looking back on them. I don't know if this is a format that I enjoy doing, so we're going to try it. We're all new. We're trying the live thing. It's clearly not working. Tried the call-in show. <laughs> Hopefully someone comes. It'll be okay if no one comes. I'm having a great time talking to Peggy. Hey Patrick, if you're listening, I've got questions for you on, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, there's uh, numerous people that one have been on the show or two could be on the show that follow. Yeah, that yeah. could hop on that I would be very, very, very questioning on because yeah. I have I have a lot of questions for a lot of people. Yeah, you, you listen again. It's like, yeah. All right, let's start with our first episode. Meet the hosts. Oh, well, we've already done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, For the second episode. <laughs> it was all right. Twyla, let's talk about Twyla a yeah. little bit. Twyla's a local breeder here in the Black Hills. She sells corn snakes. Her in your Facebook, she is not on Instagram. Her Facebook page is Ko Corns, and she has some popping corn snakes absolutely fabulous i have two of them here oh i picked up my scaleless corn snake i forgot to even mention that in the beginning yeah so this weekend has been full of getting animals and we're still not making money yet they are gorgeous yeah. And they're corn snakes, so they stay small. Yeah. They're they're typically not mean. It would be it would be a very good, very good snake because you wouldn't really like you might need a little bit of heat, but you really don't need much heat because it's a colubrid. So, like the winter time, you definitely need heat, especially with how keep you, how cool you keep your house. But yeah. Yeah. summertime, yeah. you'd be fine. I'm, I'm trying to talk to Joel, and then, you know, we, we got to find that red line. Yeah, maybe we can have one of her corn snakes. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, know, by then, you might have one of my corn snakes. <laughs> <laughs> the cool part about mine for you, Peggy, is there is no dollar value attached. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let Just like I would, I would completely bet that if I was like, hey, Peggy, I need a turtle. I bet you there would be no dollar value attached, even if you could. Even yeah. if you could, I bet you, you'd just be like, yeah, no problem, here, take one. I got enough of them. True, true. If I have baby corn snakes, I'm going to have more than enough of them. If you want one, pick out one. They're well, worth 75 bucks. If I give one to my friend, whoop-dee-doo. It's not about the money. Yeah. That is That is a very important topic I was hoping we could talk about tonight with somebody 
but it seems like it's just going to be me and you to discuss this. And I don't think you... You're not really in the the pet trade world side of this, right? So this this might be a difficult thing for you, but I feel like... Whoa. Are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. My headphones went out. Okay. There we go. Um, I feel like the people in the reptile world and the reptile sphere are plagued by this it can't be about the money because it's about the animals and if it's about the money then you're sacrificing this the animals and therefore i feel like the people in the reptile world are completely devaluing themselves their product and everything else by doing that however if you do try to bring in like oh hey money is a thing then you might become someone who doesn't care about their animals you know what i mean because it's all about money to you when it's not but your time is worth something well it's at, at the end of the day right your time is worth something and i'm not trying to be rude but you should be valuing your time at something reasonable for you yeah well you're speaking to an artist who gets told all the time which couldn't be about money but um you know when you want to keep your house and pay your taxes and feed yourself it has to be about money when that is the only job that you have and and so you know granted i'm going to be 66 in may i'm on social security you know um, i had to go on it early because like i said about those migraines and you know and then um you know just playing it safe during the, the pandemic um, uh, you know, I, I have, you know, I think about art in a commercial way. I, I always have, cause I, you know, I started being a business person at the age of nine, starting my own bait business. So I could afford my own bicycle, my own guitar and start my college fund, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I've always been about wanting to make money, enjoying what I enjoy doing, a job I enjoy doing. So with my artwork, um, when it comes to drawing my dog as a wolf um, I know that people love um, as far as wildlife goes they they love the dogs and the cats it's something about us humans we love dogs and cats so when I dry, draw wolves and cougars I sell them a lot more quickly than when I draw deer and mountain goats and so um, I'm going to you know capitalize on that and uh, and and the same in and at the same time if someone says will you paint my horse and i said well my oil paintings go for this my drawings go for that um i don't make um concessions in the price because i have to if i'm going to take the time to do another oil painting i've got to get for that commission the same way as i would get for a wildlife painting i would sell in a gallery um and the same way with my bronzes i cannot donate to um, uh, auctions because it cost me $2,000 in foundry costs just to make it. Well, <laughs> I need to make that money back. I can't, right. donate. I can't donate. So it's not though, like you're paying, <clears throat> it's not like you're paying 150 bucks for the canvas yeah. and, and, and 50 bucks for paint 
and and you've got 200 bucks maybe into the project and and then a whole bunch of time because that is very time consuming painting something and like a good example of this was like i have justin smith from palmetto coast exotics who i've had on the show episode three moving on from twilight into or not episode four sorry so we'll skip turtle laws with mike aponovich real quick and we'll hit on justin smith and eric burke who are both in the facebook group and if you do have any questions about any reptile snake related things especially carpets reach out to eric um ganya soma and other other rat snakes justin would be the guy on that probably um he also has chondros he's got a whole bunch of stuff so i shouldn't box him up like that anyway he is the guy that i have designing our logo and i will share this on stream real quick um i gotta share it to my phone real quick but anyway i will pull that up we're working on a new logo i'm unsure about it let's just take this time to figure it out because we might as well um you know i can be a harsh critic <laughs> yeah no and i'm not okay let me try to get this right here in in what i'm trying to say i i like the concept of our logo being the that classic early radio days you know what i mean like that 1940s 1950s radio like back in the early days when guiding light was on the radio and not on tv you know what i mean so i like that concept of that super old school which i find which i find in the circle logo that we currently have like i made the circle intentionally here i can i can do this the circle i made it intentionally because i wanted that circle and i would have put a mic in the background but then it got too crowded mm -hmm. you know what i mean but i like that cbs abc fox all of them have a circle it's that old school radio you know what i mean like a circle is what it is what it was hang on i can't talk and operate my phone at the same time so you need to do a little bit here new <laughs> well you've seen the logo why don't you touch on on the logo justin smith designed um and i'll work on pulling it up here my first you know and and this is my complete personal bias um you know i i grew up in grade school in the World, right. World War II was not, was less than 20 years from when I was in grade school. Um, and so um, the 40s, I, I was watching a lot of um, black and white 40s um, movies on TV um, after school. And, and, um, and being a girl at the, in the 60s and being told you can't, you know, when I started my bait business, well, you can't have your own, um, um, uh, bank account you've got to get your dad's permission and then my mom goes don't feel bad you know i i have to have my husband's permission to have a bank account or a credit card we women just need that i'm like no <laughs> i mean at nine years old no so i mean i grew to not like the current way things were for us women let alone the past 
And so I always wanted to look to the future, and that's why I was such a trekkie and, you know, all these women and different races on the bridge of the Enterprise. Yeah, the Enterprise was woke. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I was, you know, being told I couldn't do things because I was a girl. Or my brothers were not being told the same thing. I mean, I hate the past. I really, really do. I mean, it wasn't until a whole decade later during college that I could go to a bank and open up my own darn bank and so right. I mean and so it was and so when I see things in the past I'm like no <laughs> well that, that well, is how deep ingrained I am and so yeah. so it's more that like trying to connect your generation who who isn't super tech savvy and who might not even know what a podcast is <laughs> right right like let's get real that's what it's about it's about trying to bridge that gap yeah and so if you make it radio which we made the name radio that's the reason i chose radio was because it's not a podcast i want the old older people the old school people to be like oh it's just radio show don't worry about it you know like which which is what it is it's radio uh, we're on YouTube. We're, we don't do well on YouTube. We do much better in our downloads within the first three hours on the podcasting app than we are doing on YouTube. So, yeah. Anyway, here's the logo Justin Smith made. <laughs> I, <laughs> it's very well done. It is. And I, I think the font fits better with that trying to call in the old school radio, like I'm saying, you know harken back to what's a podcast people type yeah. thinking right. so yeah there's that yeah. and and I do like it it's super clean it will work well on the back of a t-shirt mm -hmm. which is great mm -hmm. Kelly pointed out the turtle mm -hmm. it doesn't quite look right which I I can agree on the frog's better than the frog in our current logo yeah yeah, I would just say, you know, I um, uh, just bring out the front leg of the of the turtle a little bit more. Or we can have him work on our logo. We can have him. Uh, he already has access to our logo. Okay. He can edit it, do whatever he wants to it. Okay. So it's really up to us. Okay. Um, that <laughs> was just what he threw together this morning to say, hey, this is what I can do kind of deal. I was yeah. like, do you want access to our logo? He said, yep. I said, great. Okay. I gave him a number of which he needs to tell me if he hits, because that's where I'm going to panic. <laughs> yeah. And well, he yeah. said, don't worry about it. And I said, okay, I trust you. <laughs> so. <laughs> He's something out of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. He'll listen. I'm, I'm just oh. a, a, a futuristic gal. And here I live in a log cabin, so what am I talking about? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of people, you know, in our sorry. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just um, yeah. I mean, that's just my painful past bias, you know, of growing up female in you know in the sixties and seventies. And, uh, and and then um, you know my, my dad and I would watch a lot of the combat um, movie about the war, the World War Two, 
to leave war. And, you know, so I, I mean, I have a lot of um, biases from that period. And I admit it. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's fair enough. <laughs> but if you can understand where I'm coming from yeah, on I, I, the connecting your generation to the podcast thing. Yeah, us old fogies. Too. Yes, yes. <laughs> you're you're very progressive <laughs> and you know how to work a computer better than I would probably say most people your age. <laughs> Let's that's, get real. And I was told that by my 40-some-year-old boss. He goes, wow, you know your way around computers. I go, okay, there you go, Pegs. There you go. That's what I'm saying. So the people who are your age and can't work a computer, those are the people that I'm trying to make the logo for, right? Yeah. And I'm also trying to make it fresh and spunky and new and hip and blah, blah. Yeah, well, I'm not a designer or an artist. Yeah. I know I can draw you boxes and lay you out a house and I pick... I can't do graphic. I, I will admit, I cannot do graphic. I cannot either, and that is why my money's going to somebody. <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, that's where, you know, um, you know hyper-realism, which is what I do in healthcare drawing, and, uh, is, uh, it goes on and uh, often on uh, in vogue art field. Um, right now it's in vogue. Um, you know, but I just do, you know, what I enjoy doing, but with subject matters that people are more apt to buy. And, you know, and then, you know, yeah, I'll have plans and I'm sure you know reptile breeders have this too. It's like they have plans to proceed with this particular species that they're fond of, but they're finding that the market is slanted towards people wanting this particular or you know, morph or two or three. And so they'll change their mind. And you know, I have to do that too with art too. You know, like I'll have to drop my painting because somebody wants this sculpture commission. And the sculpture commission is a monument which, you know, will put my you know stuff in my coffers for three years you know so um you know uh i i think reptile breeders like artists have to think money because they've got family and themselves to feed (laughs) right well i think i think the reptile people just kind of devalue themselves a little bit because if they try to charge like at least with you you can be like okay well this is just what i charge and that's just it but like if a rep if like a snake breeder is like no my normal ball pythons are a 100 bucks and that's just what they are um because that's what it is that that guy's not going to sell any snakes you know what I mean? Even though, if even if he's worked on the normal, and even if he's refined it and made it pretty, and you know what I mean, and made his own line of normal that looks different than any other normal, mm-hmm. it, it, he won't sell it. Wow. Well, see, and, and, and I think I think we we devalue. There there once was a time where the term flesh peddler was common. You know, and th- these, those are the things that we use to devalue our, our work. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the reptile community is more, more, more prone to devaluing themselves and the work and everything. Because if it becomes about money, then people don't think you care about the animal. Whereas, like, your stuff... If it's about the money, you 
you still care about your art, it's just worth X about. But if I say my ball pythons, which I don't even breed ball pythons, if I said my ball pythons are worth uh, $25, $30 more, then I gotta have a name to back that up or something. Which you have a name artistry-wise, but do you know where I'm getting at? Like, like somewhere we devalue, like, we devalue the podcast information. We devalue the information to where no one's willing to be like, hey, let's just... it's okay it's okay for there to be money involved and it's okay as long as it's for the right reasons Mm -hmm. you know like hey the money's involved because well this is what i'm trying to do for my life Mm -hmm. and this is this is my business and this is my blank and i don't think we should hate on people because they're trying to make a profit or rag on them because of that. Right. Well, this is the one thing in my networking with some really well-known breeders. Um, when you know, when I had this clown show up, and I had only been, you know, I had four turtles, and and then this clown clutch showed up, and all of a sudden I was talking to breeders all around the world. The one thing I realized that their field of selling turtles really really lacks is broad marketing and marketing skills they have their set talents of marketing online and at reptile shows and then they develop their their wholesale market but they're not touching on retail market um where sellers like my buyers who are multimillionaires or just simply millionaires and they want an outdoor sculpture piece. They just spent $30,000 on a pond. Well, you know, a ten, twelve thousand dollars sculpture is nothing to them. And then to one of my breeder friends, I go, well, do you approach those people? Do you contact those pond businesses? Do you um, also let them know that along with this colorful boy, you've got these colorful turtles? Uh, imagine a lemon yellow turtle out in that $30,000 pond. How much do you want to sell that turtle for? $5,000? Sure. You know, and then this, this guy goes, what? <laughs> you know, I said, these are the type of people that I sell to. You know, that it's like, you know, it's, um, especially when they want a commission. You know, um, I said, well, you know, a commission is something that um, you have, you, you're directing me to design. You might, you know, you, your design may not be as artistic as how I want to do it. I'm going to be trying to tell you that this will make your painting more sellable, even though it's of your animal in the future, if you want to sell it, it it's, it's not just your animal, it's a work of art, you know, um, you know, so I'm always negotiating, you know, with them and trying to lead them, you know, if you want to consider this piece an investment, you know, so I'm, I'm marketing, 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 not only for my benefit, but for them, you know, the resale value of the art they're commissioning to do. And so, you know, when it comes to breeding turtles, it's like, do you know what you have? I mean, I don't even think they know what they have sometimes. It's like, you know, I, I'm talking, you know, just on one list today. It's like, well, that, that turtle's only a thousand dollar turtle. So I go, not to these people that are putting in a fifty thousand dollar pond. Right. Well, I don't I don't think the turtle market is quite as developed as the snake market is. Um I just I, I really don't. 
uh, after talking with Alan, and I've been following the snake world for 15 years now. You know, I was on the forums back in the day. Like, I just don't think it's quite there. It's like, it, it reminds me of the early days. I've said it before on the podcast, and I'll say it again. It reminds me of the early days of of ball pythons. Uh, you know, Scott, that's a good question. Scott, Scott just asked, why is money a negative? And, and I think, I don't think it is. I think that we have made it a negative um, in the reptile community, i.e. like a podcast trying to, or anyone, I don't know. If I feel like the there's a big hate on trying to make the money from it like because then it becomes not about the animals in a lot of people's heads if that makes sense scott yeah um and see i i you know when i was nine years old and started selling bait of course i wanted to make sure that i you know i'm selling animals that are going to be used to bait but I, while i had them i wanted to make them comfortable you know the night crawlers the, the the frogs the crawdads the i mean the minnows i mean i had tubs and tubs of everything and um and i made some good money <laughs> i mean i think i was the only nine-year-old that had hundreds of dollars you know in my piggy bank so that's when i was you need a bank you need to put this in a bank and so um you know because uh, our house was right on the way to, to wall lake in sioux falls and you know so that was um you know i to me it was take care of the animals well, you know, you better do that, but it's, it's about the money. I mean, um, and so I've, I've always had that mindset and, and I, yet as an animal lover, I just, I never wanted to torture animals in horrible water, you know, all that sort of thing, you know, so it's both. I mean, you know, I've never been, I've always been a shades of gray person, never black or white. Um, there's not like, I concentrate on one factor you're not eliminating the other I, I think I think a little bit of the difference between the art and the the animals is the living creature side of things and when it does become all about money then the creatures suffer so it's all about that image of it's not all about money even if someone is making trying to make a living doing it it is about the money to them yeah. at, at the end of the day it is but they still care about the animal and and i think yeah that's kind of what i'm pointing on there's a difference in the persons that are you know like i like these animals it would be great to make money um with these animals and then there's this other person like i'm looking at ways to make money maybe i'll just try selling this animal and they've never considered having that animal, having been a part of their life and enjoying that animal and creating habitats for the animal. There's a total different mindset, a total different type of person that right. gets into animal, you know, those two types of persons that get into animals um, to sell them. Um, well, I'll say there's one person that gets into animals to sell them. Another person that's grown up with those animals and says, oh, you know, I could sell these too and make some money doing what I love with the animals that I live up. And there's, that's where the difference is. And the same way with artwork. I can tell when I go up to the International Wildlife Art Shows, 
um, very few of the ones of us who are juried in, usually there's 60 to 80 juried in from the world, you have to be juried in if you chose. There was maybe a couple out of 80 that I could tell picked up wildlife art because they thought they could make money at it. Yet they, they didn't study the animal. They had bucks in, um, in the summer in rut with polished ant antlers when they should, um, you know, they, they, they uh, wouldn't have polished antlers at that time. So they didn't bother to study their subject. Um, and, you know, and they, they were, they could, they could execute the media really well, they, or they wouldn't have been able to jury in the show. I mean, their paintings were fantastic, but they didn't know wildlife and they were portraying the animal contrary to the animal's natural history that, you know, for those of us who knew what deer should look like in the summer, um, or that duck drakes did not help the hen raise the, the youngsters, only geese cared and helped raise the youngsters. You know, just things like that that were glaring. And, you know, so, you know, you could tell they, they weren't making it in a different art field. So they, they thought wildlife art was an easier way to make money, but they didn't know wildlife art. Um, and that's, that's, I think that's where I'm kind of going with the money thing is if you try to make it all about the money right away, then you will be perceived as just trying to be after the money, which I think is, and money is okay. And like, it's okay, but I still think we're, it, the reptile hobby is more, more, it swings on that, that money side, like if you're perceived as in it for the money, then, then, then you're in it. Hop on, Scott. Just hop on and talk about this. I want to get you on the show for your own show as a whole show. I was hoping you'd hop on anyway, but if you can hop on, just hop on, man. It's an open show. Oh, man, I am terrible with this mic setup, though. Oh, it sounds good. Turns it to animal um, so, yeah. so for the listeners, Scott says, I agree and disagree. There is a responsibility that is uh, intrinsic to animal keeping, and the ultimate responsibility is to the ethical management of the animal itself, but how you achieve that financially. Right, right. I but, agree. Yeah, and, and a lot of people who are into the responsibility part, they go, well, I would like to try... Um, Sell, you know, um, raising and selling that animal. But first, I do my research into it, and how do I keep that animal? Um, and and then run the numbers. Like in knowing that this animal has to be kept this way, how much do I have to sell this animal for? How many animals do I have to sell to make it pay off financially? I mean, that's what business people do. I right. Want, you know, it's, it's like manufacturing good. I have to keep the manufacturing of this good uh, to this set price in order to sell it at this set price to make a profit. Well, you have to do that research, especially when you're dealing with live creatures, to understand if, if that husbandry is going to be done well and still allow you to make money, or do you just want to make enough money to cover your hobby and pay for all the lights <laughs> and the food? and all that stuff that's 
absolutely fine too. You don't want to make it into a real commercial business. You just like to be making extra cash to not have your hobby cost you so much. Right, right. And I think that's kind of in Scott's point in the comments. Uh, you need to fund it somehow, whether hobby partially or completely funding itself. It's That's where people get hung up. Right. And I, yeah. And we talked about enclosures earlier, Scott, and we talked about the, um, like, rack versus enclosure and and, like, what's the difference between one snake in a tub versus a rack of snakes and i think this is this is kind of in line with that yeah he, he's other he's also just said uh the other thing that needs to be remembered is that everyone has different minimum standards for ethical husbandry right right and this is this is back into that rack conversation earlier man i should have just invited scott on and we should have recorded with him because i have wanted to get him on for a while <laughs> Hey Scott, you're 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 in the lineup now. So. <laughs> but we only have about 15 minutes left of this show, and so you, you we're saving you. Yeah, yeah no, <laughs> you can't come in 15 minutes now. Uh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love the points that he's making. Yeah, it should be. There's one on Instagram. There's one on our new Facebook page. And there should be one on in the comments on YouTube, um, streamyard.com forward slash 2X2FTGRJRFB, or JRF, sorry, no B, no B on the end of that. Oh, yeah, um, yeah streamyard.com slash, and I'll send the, send the thing in the text. Yeah, yeah, because um, I, I think this really is a good discussion about... Um, money and people. Yeah, no, and it, Peggy, I don't know if you have looked at any of Scott Iper's stuff. Um, Scott, Scott's in Australia. Um, he, if I remember correctly, which I always say that, so if I mess up, um, <laughs> right, uh, Scott has cages set up in his snake room that mimic the sun. So, like, one part of the cage will light up in the morning, and then the, it'll follow oh, in wow. the daytime. Scott really cares about his enclosure setups. Like, he's got some some really cool stuff. I gotta see that. I really yes, Nature for You on, on YouTube. Gotta that <laughs> <laughs> um, he's also, him and his wife have wrote, written plenty of books on Australian lapids, Australian yeah, yeah wow. all a ton of stuff I'm sure I'm not even doing you justice right now, Scott okay. you do okay, excellent um, well, that I will look into, but that, that sounds really yeah, he's he's going real hard on the the automation stuff, which is super cool. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about doing that. I used to do that um, when I only had one tank of turtles, and I had them on a timer and all this stuff. And I was a busy student taking on two science degrees at one time, so the most automated I could have, the better. So, um, and then now I just like turning on all my lights, saying hi to everybody. 
<laughs> turning them off and putting the greens in, you know, that they like to munch through the hey. So yeah, so now I'm, I'm more motherly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, doing the checking morning and night. But, um, yeah, boy, I, I, it sounds like we need to have spat on it. Yeah, no, it, it, there's a, there's a lot to cover. Yeah. There is a ton to cover. Yeah, like, does he have With, us outdoors or, and, and do all those dangerous creatures in Australia invade? I, I don't know if he does outdoor keeping. No. Yeah, it, that's one thing, it, you know, I always see all these dangerous snakes and spiders and snakes in Australia. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's what you've said. You're so scared of Australia because you're you're afraid to. Yeah. You're afraid. You're afraid you'll die. <laughs> well, you know, I've been bit by a black widow and was paralyzed for two weeks. You know. Yeah. So, well, and you're like allergic to everything too. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, it, and and that was one thing. Like at first, yeah, it bit me right here in the neck on my whole side, and then uh, uh, my my shoulder and you know, arm were completely paralyzed then my leg and then my leg was only left leg was only paralyzed for about two days but um the peril peril uh, uh the arm was paralyzed for a week and then partially paralyzed for the other week and i'm like yeah black widows <laughs> <laughs> yeah no that would be I, I i don't know i don't want to get bit by anything venomous that's my goal in life um yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it's possible. Yeah. Well, when when uh, and and yet, boy, you know, when we talked when we were last talking with um, Ellen Bosch, you know, I talked about that uh, rattlesnake. I pulled off that guy's pant leg. Um, I just didn't even think of my own safety. I just thought like somebody's got to get the snake off him. Right. Right. <clears throat> trying to tell if the snake was attached to the jeans, not the skin yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to grab that head before it attached to the guy's skin. You know, so, um, well, there. Well, welcome, Scott Iper from Australia, I... the second international guest we've had. Wow, welcome. There we go. Yeah, you sound, uh, yeah, your points, and um, it's like, darn, we wish we could have gotten you on earlier in this episode. Really got in deep on, on that. So I just, I just, uh, I, I adopted an Australian. Sorry, <laughs> Go for it, Scott. There you go. What do you um, I suppose I'll, I'll keep it fairly, fairly brief, but um, I suppose there's a couple of things that need to be remembered in regards to costs. Costs aren't restricted to finance. Costs are restricted to time as well, right? Yes. And, you know, the, the successful husbandry of any animal regard, is, is, is predicated on three things, right? The first thing is your experience level. The second is your financial, and thirdly is your time, right? So you can have right. all of the means in the world, all the financial backing in the world and all the time in the world, but if you don't have the expertise, you're not going to be able to do that animal justice, yes. right? Um, and so, and you see that time and time again with people that have lots of money and they have, you know, the, what's the, the phrase? All the gear and no idea. Um, <laughs> and so... They, they can do anything that they like. They've got all the ability to do it, but then they don't do it, don't necessarily do well with the animals because they don't know what they're doing. Um, 
likewise, you can have people that are really experienced that um, have got all the time in the world that don't have the money to be able to do what they want to do. So then they're not, they're not that successful. And what needs to be assessed as a keeper is that for any new animal that they look to bring in or whenever there's a major change in your life, you need to go through and actually do a real reassessment about whether or not you should get more animals or whether you need to downgrade or whether you do have the ability to go into a, a to have more more animals. And that's where people shoot themselves in the foot, where they get too big too quick. And they go, well, I can, I can maintain 100 snakes or I can maintain 200 animals or whatever. And then suddenly they breed a few things and then suddenly they're dealing with 350 animals and then they can't because they, they physically don't have enough hours in the day to do it. And so that's where they start to cut corners. Now they either cut corners because the animals suffer or they cut corners and the animals don't suffer immediately, but they take time and they go down over time. And that's where you see a lot of the large breeders that initially were quite decent they seem to drop off in their quality after a while because they just don't have the time. They're not the ones that are looking after the animals anymore. They're employing someone else to look after them for them. And those people don't have the experience or they don't have the funds to be able to maintain those animals at the in the collections that they want. So people need to really do a frank assessment about whether they want more animals or whether they want to keep the animals that they have better. Right, right, right. I think I think my original lead into this was more of an assessment based on the time, like undervaluing your time as an individual, which all of us humans do just in general for work and everything. But I think the reptile community is a little bit more so. And it's and it's because we want to teach. It's because we want to it's because we want that information to be free. But, but at the same time, we're cutting, you're cutting yourself short in that aspect because your time is worth something at the end of the day, you know, and even it, that goes into breeding and podcasting, everything in every aspect. I think, I think the reptile community overall cuts themselves a little bit more short than most other communities. And maybe it's just because it's the animal thing. Maybe it's more the, the welfare of the animal and that reason, but... Oh, people do things for free. Right. And because people do think, people think, do things for free, they assume that everyone should do it for free. Right. Uh, well, yeah, we are... And I'm not saying that everyone needs to pay for every minute of everyone's time or yada, yada, yada. Like, no, it should be open. Like, open source is great. But at the same time, everyone's time is worth something at the end of the day. Yeah. And you shouldn't undervalue yeah, but, your time. But if you're, going, if you're going to use an open source model, right, then you also need to remember that there's going to be um, anyone and everyone might be answering those questions <laughs> and that you may not actually be getting the right answers. To begin right, with. right. Yeah. And so... You know, I've had people say, oh, well, why don't you just provide all of the information that you put together? Why don't you just make it freely available and just put it up on, on the web? And I'm like, well, no. If somebody asks me individually for a, an answer to a particular question, I'll, I'll happily provide it. But I'm not going to put, you know, thousands of hours worth of work online, which breaches copyright and all sorts of things. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's not that... 
it's not that I'm being a bastard about it. It's the reality of it is, is that it cost a hell of a lot of time and effort to, to put that stuff together. If you want to, if you want a copy of it, buy a copy. It's not that right. hard. Right, and that's that's where it's worth something, right? That's where that that yeah, you you have a point. Like with your books, you know that that's a ton of information that took you probably years to compile overall and and yeah. and years of experience that really frankly probably no one else really has um it, so but yeah I'm no you should i'm never going to have somebody turn around i'm never going to have somebody turn around and contact me right i'm never going to turn them away they go, oh, i've got a snake and it's sick or, or whatever right i'm always going yeah. to to help the person right because at the end of the day i love the animals right so i'm always going to help them but at the same time there's got to be a limit as well right and it's the same thing with it with a, an identification or uh you know a person who's been bitten by a snake or something like that and i'm getting a phone call about that or, or whatever the case may be right i'm always going to drop what i'm doing and, and try and help people out but at the same time there, be, there comes a limit and i've only got so many hours of the day myself and so right. you know if i spend 20 minutes talking to to joe blogs that's 20 minutes that i don't have to spend with my wife when with my animals spend with my kids yeah. do my work whatever the case may be you know what i'm and so um it costs it, you it, something whether money's not involved it costs you your it, time it, with your almost, family or something yeah but at the same time too, right? I, I enjoy it as well, right? So is it a cost or is it something that you can you can learn from and benefit from? So yeah, and then it, you're it, also it, building it a reputation. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they take decades to make and seconds to lose. So right, yeah. right, okay. and and one minute of you being a being rude to someone is is could be the end of it, which yeah. yeah. You try not to be rude, but sometimes people catch you on bad days, and we're all human. <laughs> right, right, one hundred percent. Yeah, well, and, and this goes along with you know the, the art thing. You know, you know how many calls I get in a month to donate my artwork and letters to donate my artwork. And it's like, how many times are surgeons asked to donate a surgery, or you, you know what I mean? It's like, why is it the profession of a, a, being an artist? And I mean, and I've studied animal anatomy i studied the working of the medium i've, I've put in i've got two degrees which go into my paintings in, in anatomy and animal behavior you know and same with my sculpture why do i have to give up years of study that now are being expressed on canvas or in bronze but a, a surgeon doesn't have to give up his years of study in in free surgeries why is it always you know, and then, then this one, I was asking this question of this woman who was calling for my artwork, and I said, you know, I'll offer my artwork at your auction, and you can, at, at you know, and there's a reserve price, because I have to make that money out of it, because that's my time in there, and you can take the gallery percentage, but I'm not just going to yeah. give my artwork away. You're not going to devalue my artwork. You know, like something that I sell in the gallery for $12,000, I will not release for for four thousand dollars you're, you're going to devalue my work and completely they, overall you know, right not yeah. just not just that one piece but like everything you sell again now goes down in value because you compromise right. that one you're right. especially and, in that field yeah because then they'll wait like well we're not going to buy in the gallery we're we're going to wait until it's up for auction one of your pieces 
you know, when, when you join us in on this auction, like, oh, did you hear what you just said? <laughs> you know, and I said, the gal when you sign a gallery contract, they said you cannot perform in these auctions because we will not allow you to devalue your work, which we are advertising, spending our money to advertise. And I go, this is what professional artists have to go through. We have contracts with galleries that we have to live up to. And so the same way with, you know, in, in the, the reptile field, you know, it's like, I will not give away my work. Why should any animal breeder give away their hours and hours yeah. of husbandry? You know, yeah. So but at the I've same time, the, you don't want to make it go for it. In my image library, I've got 32,000 images, right? And so, and I use those images for marketing, but I use those images in books and all the rest of it, right? Now, if someone says to me, hey, I need an image of, of, of species X or whatever, and it's for a conservation purpose, most of the time I'll just give it away, right? Because I, it, for me, it's particularly if I used it before, right? I, I don't really care. I've used it once before. But if it's something I haven't used or it's something that I've got value in and I need, then I'm not going to just give it away for nothing, mm -hmm. right? And then I have people get upset about it. Now, at the same time as an author too, right, sometimes we don't get an image budget, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'll talk to a photographer and say, hey, if you've got an image, I really like to use it. Um, this is what I can do. I can give you a copy of the finished work at the end of it. It's going to this. Realistically, I'm not really seeing any money out of it. And, and writing reptile books, just so everybody knows, you make a fall out of it, right? You make zero dollars. It is a labour of love. You know, the you know, you might get a couple of thousand dollars or something like that as your book contract, but by the time you add the four and a half thousand hours worth of work that you put into it, you've just worked for 50 cents an hour or something like that, right? So right. You, you don't, you make no money out of it, right? But it's a way of giving back to the hobby that you've you, that you've learned so much from. So it's something you enjoy to do. And, and that's at okay. least you're getting back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're nothing, not really, nothing substantial, not really. but... Not, not really. Kids in kids in India making sneakers make more money than I do. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, thing, the, the reality of it is, right, is that I'm the one that no one fought, held a gun to my head and said, hey, you need to write, sign this contract. You need to do this. I chose to do it. Right. And that's fine. And it's the same thing with, with, frankly, art or anything else, right? At the end of the day, if you've chosen to do it, Hey, some people can make a lot of money out of it. And that's great. But then there's other people out there that do it for the love of it and they want to devalue themselves and, and sell something at a, at a very reduced rate. And that's okay too. Everyone's got their own line in the sand that they're happy to draw from and what they want to do. And that's fine. Um, but to, to have people say that, to get upset when you turn around and say that you're not going to give them something for free, that you spent thousands of dollars generating yourself, whether it be through gaining experience, gaining um, uh, gaining experience, gaining the, the notoriety, gaining the stuff that you needed to gain to in, to infect, actually produce that piece of art or produce that, that work, it takes time and it costs money. And it's yeah. not unreasonable to ask for a, a small amount for that. Right. So, you know. And if right. people have a problem with it, that's fine too. You just don't get it. That's fine. I, I don't really care. I don't have to give you the other, don't have to give it to you. Well, and, that's and, the beauty of things. And in my field, you know, the, one of the calls I got, they wanted a sculpture for this auction. And I said, well, I can't afford to do that, but I can afford to do a painting and then have you take a gallery percentage. 
and they they said well you can't participate unless you give us a sculpture and if you don't we're going to call we're going to spread it around you know town that you're uncharitable i go so you did not hear that i was willing to do this for you and <laughs> it's like i feel the artists are very that whole art field is very interesting because it's i don't know i'm not an artist i'm not i i am hiring justin smith to do my graphic because yeah. i think our logo is crap well, so <laughs> I, I don't i don't do graphic yeah not i, I would nope. not be good at graphic i'm i'm Whoa. yeah you know so yeah hire somebody to do it right <laughs> you know? because uh yeah i mean it's just not my field so it yeah. costs it costs a lot of money to do things and people expect things should be free all the time and that's the that's the sad part that's kind um, of the point i was getting at right there scott is and then just don't give away yourself completely for free like just mind that you know like you are worth your time is worth something overall and what you, your efforts are worth worth something and i'm not saying like oh yeah Mr. Podcast guy who's got 15 followers should be asking for a million bucks from somebody. I'm, I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm just saying that your time is worth something at the end of the day and don't undervalue what, what you're putting out. Yeah. You know, what I, what I love, right, is that when people say, oh, well, you know, if you do this, you'll get more exposure or something like that. <laughs> Mate, you're coming to me. I don't need the, I don't need the exposure to me. Right. No, I'm you're pretty I'm well good. known, I'm, Scott. I'm, I'm, I'm good with the exposure. I'm fine. I don't need it. Yeah. Right? And, and then apparently, when you say that, you're an egotistical, yeah, but, because but you turn around and said that, and it's like, well, hang on a second, dude. You've come to me. The, I didn't the, come to you. You came to me. Yeah, yeah. The it, fact of the matter is, it's true that you can be, you can hop on. You can hop on a podcast of one who hasn't ever reached out to you, because I haven't. That's a fact. No. And 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 I, the second you typed in, I got I mentioned you by name, like you're clearly known. Okay, you're known. Like you don't need it. Yeah. You don't need it. You're known, Scott. You're known. You're you've written so many books. You've done so much for the hobby especially in australia and like that's where you live you know more I'm than any another, of us over here but <laughs> i'm just another snake shit cleaner at the end of the day but you're still known you've already got the notoriety you don't need and that's not egotistical that's that's a fact yeah well it, that's it, a fact yeah and i have to say well, i don't know yeah, yeah. sorry go on uh, about people that you know like artists who don't have a name or artists who do have a name uh, you know i stick up for both genres where the you know this you know i, I take for instance one of my good friends raising a, a man raising a family um he needs to make money even though he just just started in in in, in selling his his artwork on the circuits you know the, the wildlife the international wildlife art markets and and his, um, you know, and people like, well, you haven't paid your dues enough. And, and <laughs> I'm outspoken. I, I turn to this person who who was bothering this young man in his booth. I go, excuse me, he's paying his dues right now. It cost him a bunch of money to get here. It cost him a bunch of years 
and talent that he had developed to be juried in. He's got a family to support. He's already paying his dues and he has to pay, you know, to feed his family. So be fair with him. <laughs> this guy, well, wait, wait. you know, who was a millionaire. I knew that I knew the buyer. And, uh, and, yeah. he just, and he just looked at me just like, um, okay. And he, 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 he bought the painting at the asking price and, and, you know, and, and so, I mean, uh, and so, um, then the girls on the other side of my booth just go like, Hey, you know, can you do the same for us? If some jerk starts <laughs> you know, trying to, you know, to, to dick us down and I was like, sure, fine. You know, it's, I got to tell this story really quick. This one, guy, <laughs> this one, one guy came to my booth and he just goes, well, you know, you've got this African elephant here. Have you ever been to Africa? I go, no, but I, I work with the zoo that, that we just put together this African ele elephant, um, exhibition or um exhibit and the guy goes well i i don't i won't buy anybody uh, african art from anybody who hasn't been from africa and i go um go two aisles over there's a guy painting dinosaurs <laughs> <laughs> and the guy just kind of looked at him i go point taken <laughs> you know so yeah i mean you, you hear all kinds of stuff and and i'm sure you guys who sell um reptiles at uh reptile shows i mean you you must hear it all when when people you know, like, you know have their you, one of your animals and they want to you know really try to get the best price do you breed for the for the pet market scott or, or are you just like i no, have well, no I <laughs> okay Not i know anymore. you I, I i work with mainly dangerously venomous snakes these days so um okay. Yeah, not not really pets. Um, <laughs> you know, and then and then the other stuff we tend to give a lot away. I'd rather give it away. I'd rather give something away to somebody who who is going to appreciate it, who I like, than deal with dickheads. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's, the same, it's the same thing. We don't we don't need to make the money out of it. We we we. I'm happy to keep putting money into the hobby because it's something that I enjoy. So I'm happy to spend money and not worry about it. I mean, we spent 40k on a on a snake building. Um, so our building itself cost 40k that we keep the animals in. That's not including the cages, not including the animals, all the rest of it, right? Um, so, you know, when you're spending that sort of money into something, you go, oh, well, if I'm doing that as a business, I've got to try and get that 40k back plus interest, plus time, plus effort. No. Nah. This is, and then, you know, God forbid you say the word profit. Um, right, you know, right. Then you're the bad guy. That's. Yeah. So, so there's, there's, and this is where I have an issue where people sort of bag money. Money's not a problem, right? It's where people uh, keep and they, they lower their, their ethical standards of husbandry to make a profit. That's where it becomes a problem. Yes. yes. Right, you, can, right. you can make money as long as you still maintain your, your, your ethical minimum, right? And that ethical, what everyone's ethical minimum though is different, and that's the issue. Yeah, you know. So we're not robots, unfortunately. We like to try and be, and our legislation tries to force us to become robots. But the reality of it is, we're not. And that's why there's artists, and that's why there's authors, and that's why there's there's other people out there, and we're all different. And that's not that's nothing wrong with that. It's okay yeah. to be different. That's that's what we should be. Because if we were all the same, then then we'd really have something to worry about. I think. 
Um, 100%. Mate, I'm going to have to lash. I've got a million things on and no time to do it, but I just want to jump on and just say good day and no, you know, no. keep up the great work with the podcast. We're, we thank you. Um, plug your stuff. We're going to plug ours. I'm. It's bedtime no. over here. So. Search my name. You can find me that way. Right on. <laughs> if you don't know who Scott Hyper is, you should by now. I, I think I made that a point. Um, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Scott, no. you have a good just, night. Just another bloke. Right, or a good guys, day. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Take it See easy, ya. man. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, as yeah, Scott Scott is really super cool. I'm super glad he popped on. I was really hopeful for that tonight. Um, yeah. There's so many questions I wanted to ask, but I knew oh, he's time. getting his own show eventually. <laughs> I mean, it's like he has to be working with zoos and everything over there, and it's like oh. he's he's doing some some stuff. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm ready to wrap this show yeah. up and go to bed. So. Yeah. Yeah. As for you, Peggy, where can where can someone reach out to you at if they have turtle questions? Because do not come to me with turtle questions. I am not the person for that. They can, the best place to find me for turtle questions is on Facebook with Black Hills Turtle Forum. And the, my uh, picture uh, that I use is of my clown, a little a portrait um, a photo of my western painted turtle uh, clown. And that's where they can find me. Um, ask me questions um, galore off there. They can also find out about my turtle life and my artistic life on Instagram at Detmers Studios. D-E-T-M-E-R-S-S-D-U-D-I-O-S. Um, awesome. So, yeah. And about you. As for the podcast, because I don't really care about me, I'm not doing anything important. You take pictures, that's kind of important. Me, I, I have baby snakes, and I'm sharing them on Herp Talk Radio, at, uh, or at Herp Talk Radio on Instagram. Um, there is a brand new group, a new Facebook group, Herp Talk Radio, all one word on Facebook. Please join the group, that's where you could have found the link to tonight's chat and uh we're gonna keep doing this live thing um as long as our guests let us um our recording night moved to wednesday instead of monday which means instead of 10 days i have seven or it's live we have one in the book for if our guest doesn't want to go live but from here on out we are a live show because i have already recorded the second show of herp talk radio <laughs> so that's going to be an interesting episode I was dog tired when I recorded with Nipper Reed who uh, talked to me about Milos Island and Herping in Bulgaria oh, wow. which are some very interesting locations for completely separate reasons um, but that show will be coming out I would say within the next month don't get too keen and happy on it um <laughs> But it will be there. The, the, uh, the, the idea and the concept for this show is a super highly edited show that sounds super polished and is just very fluid. One-on-one um, -on -one type show, you know. Um, it's going to be once a month. I might get two episodes in before I release. 
haven't decided exactly where I'm going. It doesn't even have a title yet. So, yeah. Other than that, Facebook group, again, join the Facebook group. Let's create a community for new keepers who are checking out the podcast, which I feel like we should be getting because we talk about new new keeping things quite often. Um can connect with the the people we have on justin smith is a part of that group eric burke who's been on the show is a part of that group um there's a couple other people like oh phil wolf phil wolf we just had him on he's a part of the group if you have any venomous questions ask him in the group phil will answer them i would love to know what your venomous questions are that's what the group is for it's to build the community i didn't make a page i made a group um so join the group that's that's where we're at on facebook is group Excellent. awesome um so yeah me herp talk radio at gmail.com herp talk radio on instagram the facebook group um that's all we're at Excellent. youtube live on youtube go check back on next wednesday we might be live next wednesday on youtube you never know if we're gonna go live or not there will be an episode next wednesday evening right here at herp talk radio have a good night guys good night oh man i'm